Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of the most compassionate, the most merciful. Dear beloved sisters, I greet you all with the universal greeting of peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and mercy and blessings of God be upon you all. I am so incredibly uh, honored to be a part of this historic event. This is, as was mentioned, the first time the Women's Mosque of America has come to the OC, so it's an honor to be a part of this wonderful uh, effort. I want to extend my deepest gratitude to Sister Hasna right here in the front, and Sister Adina as well, and all of the organizers whom I met today for extending the uh, invitation and just working with me. Very professional, very thorough, mashallah, uh, sisters working with this organization. May Allah reward them all. Please keep them in your du'as. My topic for today's bayan is based on a hadith which is a saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. He said, he who knows himself knows his Lord. Man arafa nafsahu faqad arafa rabbahu. Ibn Arabi, a great Andalusian mystic and philosopher from the 12th century, further explained or expanded on this hadith with a couple of maxims or quotes. He said, he who knows himself has known his Lord, and he who has no knowledge of himself has no knowledge of his Lord. I love this particular hadith of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and the following maxims of Ibn Arabi, because I feel that it's such a simple formula, right? We have a starting point, which is knowing oneself, that leads to a destination, which is knowing God. Most of us here are clear about our destination, right? That's why we're here. We want, hopefully all of us, want to have that relationship, that connection, that nearness to God. That's why we're here, right? However, and, and, and this is true no matter where we are in our practice or how long we've identified as believers or seekers of the truth. We're all on the exact same journey. So the destination is clear. Even though, again, some of us may have been traveling for a long time, right? The proverbial road that we've all been on on this spiritual journey. Some of us have been on it so long that we've been maybe forced to take some detours from time to time, right? some stopovers, some layovers, which happens. Why? Because faith is not, in, from the Islamic perspective, faith is not considered a constant. There is fluctuation. And it's part of faith that you will have times of high faith and high resolve and zeal and, and just wanting to accomplish a lot and other times of stagnation and other times where you may falter and step, take a few steps back. And this is perfectly normal. And one of the most beautiful stories of the seerah, which is the stories of, of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions, uh, really, I think, articulates this point very well. It's a story that involves two of his companions, or sahabas. Uh, one is Hanzala. His name was Hanzala. He came across another companion of the Prophet named Abu Bakr, who also happened to be the Prophet's best friend. And he was in a very distressed state, and he said, Oh, Abu Bakr, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. And Abu Bakr, knowing how amazing Hanzala was taken aback by this, like, why, why would you say that about yourself? What's wrong? And he explained to him, well, 
when I'm in the company of the Prophet, peace be upon him, everything is, my faith is so strong, so strong that I can actually see or imagine what, what paradise looks like. And I can actually see and imagine what hellfire looks like. Everything is just so strong and I'm motivated. But as soon as I go back to my wife or my children and my business, my family, I, I get distracted. I forget all about it. Now, Abu Bakr hearing this is, it's resonating with him. And he's saying, he says, oh my God, I, that's the same thing that happens to me. We have a problem here. We need to go and find the Prophet and explain our circumstance to him. So they find the Prophet, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr explains, Oh, Prophet, we're in trouble. Hanzalah and I are both hypocrites. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, says, What are you talking about? You know, he's, uh, he wants to hear what they have to say. So he explains to him exactly as Hanzalah explained. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he responds in such a beautiful way. He looks to Hanzalah and Abu Bakr and he says, By him in whose hand is my life, if your state of faith remain the same as it is in my presence when you're not with me, then the angels would be shaking your hand everywhere you go. In other words, you wouldn't be in this realm right here on earth. You'd be somewhere else. And then he said, you have to designate a part of your life for remembrance of God and spiritual work, and also a part of your life for otherworldly matters. And he repeated this three times. Now, the scholars have interpreted this hadith again to reiterate that point that fluctuations in faith are normal. We're not always going to be 100% mindful or committed. And in fact, that shouldn't be the objective because we're not, we don't have, the Islamic tradition isn't, doesn't have a monastic tradition where we shun the world. We actually are encouraged to live and be a part of this world, just as was the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his example. So for anyone, if you're in the room and you've, you're, you've been on that road for a while, that we talked about that spiritual road and you've felt those fluctuations, I wanted to point this hadith out just to validate you that you're okay. Never let anybody get on you about appearances or, you know, the fact that maybe you're not as where you were a, a short while ago. This is your journey. And that's also another beautiful reason why I love that hadith that I, I read. Because what does it say? Whoever wants, who, he who knows himself knows his Lord. And to me, that also, again, re-emphasizes this point that we hear time and time again, but we, it may not sink in, that every single one of us, yes, our destination is the same, but our journey is very, very personal. Your experience and your journey towards God is your own, and you have to own it, and you have to nurture it, and not let the voices or anybody's negative voice bring you down. So I wanted to just share that particular a side note about fluctuations. And then we also have people in the room who might be new, right, new travelers. Uh, there might be people who are new converts or seekers who, who are inquiring about Islam. For you, you're, you're, again, going back to that analogy of being on the road. You've just filled up your tank. You packed your bags. You got some favorite snacks. You're enjoying the ride. You're coasting. And may God make it easy for you. But it, that point is that we're all different. But our destination is the same. We want to be close to God. Correct? Yes? Now, as sure as we are about our destination, the issue comes with the starting point. We might not so, be so sure about the starting point. And the perfect explanation of that is how many here, by a show of hands, have ever felt the spirit? Okay, this is when, right, we, we hear a lecture that just gets us and it motivates us, right? Or it's Ramadan time, 
right? Or maybe we open the Quran and a passage just seems to be speaking to something we're going through right at that moment. Or it's Hajj season or something. But somehow we feel the spirit. And what do we do? The spirit of who? I call her super Muslima. Okay? Raise your hand if you felt the spirit of super Muslima enter. Right? Where you just want to go at it and just do everything. You know, she's the one who pushes you. You got to wake up for tahajjud. You got to fast Mondays and Thursdays. You have to maybe consider wearing the uh, tahajjud is the night prayers, by the way. So getting up in the middle of the night to pray, wearing the headscarf. She's just like, do it all. Do it all. Go fast. Go fast. And a lot of times, you know, she seems like she's pushing us towards all of these wonderful, virtuous things. But in reality, she's taking us where? To that level of extreme, to that place of extreme. And it doesn't really last, does it, right? It fizzles day three, <laughs> if we're lucky. Maybe we'll get past, you know, a week. But it doesn't really last because it's not sustainable. And that's primarily because the focus is, is not there. We have, when, you're, when you don't have focus about where to start your journey, that's when you're susceptible to falling into these ebbs and flows and highs and lows where you're just all over the place with your spiritual path. And so this, going back to this maxim about he who knows himself or she who knows herself, I should, I should have actually edited it for our purposes here, but she who knows herself knows her God. If you go back to that particular quote, what is it telling us? In very simple terms, it's saying, if you want to get to God, stop doing more. Stop looking around at everyone else and comparing yourself. Stop going places and filling yourself with information that you possibly don't understand, which is what so many of us do. We memorize, we take classes, and we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed. Stop doing that because the starting point is right here. It's in yourself, right? If you want to know God, you cannot possibly understand him or know him if you haven't even begun to understand who you are. And that process is done by asking the right questions. Number one being, who am I? What do I want? How can I get there? And who am I is a much deeper question than what's my name and my history. This is about who you are, what makes you unique. What is your temperament? How many people here, by a show of hands, have heard of the science of the four temperaments? Please raise your hand. Okay, alhamdulillah, that's good. I was glad that there's hands being raised. The four temperaments, in my estimation, and I've been studying it for several years, is one of the greatest educational and psychological tools available to us. But sadly, many people have never heard of it before. And if you haven't heard of it, don't feel discouraged because the chances are you've heard of one of its variants. How many have heard of the four elements? Right? Fire, water, air, earth. Right? We've heard of that. So if you've ever taken a personality test like Myers-Briggs or the color code or Enneagrams, or if you're familiar with the 12th zodiac signs, all of these lead back to the four temperaments. It's an ancient science. And I really urge, I wish we had the time to go over this because it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, but I urge you all independently to go and just do a simple search. There's plenty of information online about it. But I believe that if you... When, when you unveil or start to learn about the science, it actually, when you understand it and apply it, it will impact your spiritual relationship. It will impact this path that we're all on. For example, if you know your temperament, you'll know two fundamental things. One, how you react to things and how long that reaction lasts. 
It's, and if we actually took a, you know, time to do this test, we would see, you'd see patterns in your own behavior that you do typically react very similarly to different uh, stimuli, whether it's positive or negative, and that those reactions also have pretty s typical durations. But when you know these things, then it can, as I said, help you navigate your path to God. Because, again, the way that I am going to get to God is going to be different than you and you and you. Everybody here has a different path. For example, let's just talk about some of these differences. Some people are analytical. And think about this if this resonates with you. More than, your emotion, more than they are emotional or physical. They may need structure in order to find God. So such a person may benefit greatly from a more academic approach to understanding God. They may lean towards taking classes, memorizing, having deep intellectual uh, discussions or debates. This is how they feel really just like they're getting somewhere. They're, you know, they, they feel a connection. Then there's other people who are not as analytical, but they are, uh, they're more emotional or spiritual. So they're not, classes don't do much for them, but they do feel connected to something or someone. So for example, there's many people in our community who are what we call lovers of the prophet, peace be upon him, right? I'm sure some of us know some of these people. They just love to celebrate all things connected to the prophet, peace be upon him. They're always sending salutations upon him. They would much rather sit in a corner and just, you know, read a book about him than they would take an Arabic or a grammar class or a, a jurisprudence class. They're, they, they feel a connection to him. And then there's other people who are more physically inclined. And what I mean by that is they have a yearning to move, to act, to serve. So we have those people in our community who are activists, who are out there. They're, you know, if you just go to any care event or mass event or any other of these social uh, activist groups in our community, you'll, you'll find a bunch of these people there. And they might not have the ritual practice that you see in other, with other people. They might not outwardly look like they're, you know, doing much. In, in terms of their spiritual efforts, but they, if you ask them, they are very motivated and have a deep connection to God through their service. And then you have other people who are artistic and expressive. They're deeply connected to people. They have a love for people, for nature, for animals. They have a love for love. They're, they're the romantics. And, and, and so there's, they, they, they connect to God through those mediums. But if you notice, they're all different. Right? And have we ever really deeply thought about that? Why is it that so many people, and I guarantee right in this room, we have one of each or multiple you know, numbers of each of these different groups. But why? How did this happen? If it's all so black and white and you know, religion is supposed to be this way and this way, why are there people who feel so incredibly connected and, and passionate about their faith, although their paths are different? And that's what the temperaments does. It helps you answer those questions for yourself. And I'll give you just a, a story. It's ironic that it happened today. But it's a good example of how when you know your temperament, you'll actually find out a lot about yourself. So for those who know me, you know I've been you know, doing public speaking for a long time. So I don't have a problem, you know, talking to people, but it didn't, I didn't always have that awareness about myself until I started studying the temperaments. But earlier today, I was um, in Trader Joe's. And so... Uh, if you read my posts on Facebook, I, I usually blog about some of my incidents that, that happen with people, random, random conversations I have. And you might see this uh, being posted later today. But I'll tell you, so you'll get a preview before you read it. Um, but I was in Trader Joe's this morning, and I, was, I had gone to the gym, so I, I, I don't wear the hijab like this when I go to the gym. I do a back wrap, and I, I kind of look, uh, you know, a little bit more 
whatever, assimilated or not as hijabi, I guess. So I stepped outside, and there happened to be actually another sister who was wearing the headscarf in Trader Joe's. So I, we greeted each other. I told her Eid Mubarak. And then as I walked out, she passed me by, and she went to her car. There was a, a man there. He was part of a team of painters. They were painting the sign that they were refreshing the paint at the, in front of the Trader Joe's. And I saw him. And when she walked by, he looked at her. And then he just kind of did this shake of the head that, you know, it just seemed like there was a lot of judgment coming from him. I didn't know. I, I, I was really unsure about what was happening. But I, I walked to my car and I was like, I should go and I just, I should just go ask him, you know, just go and approach him and say something. What should I do? What should I do? So I'm having this total internal dialogue into the, you know, going to the car. And then he's, he's moving stuff back and forth. So I get in the car and I talk myself out of it. I said, no, it's a waste of time. Just let it go. It's not a big deal. Why engage someone? Why put him on the defense? It's not necessary. So I literally drove out of the parking lot of Trader Joe's. I drove out. I got on the street. And this is where my temperament kicks in because when you know your temperament, then you know, like, I'm a reactionary person. So it didn't last very long. I needed to do something. So I made a U-turn. I actually did. I made a U-turn. I went back. I parked the car. And I said, okay, there's two ways I can handle this. I'm not going to assume anything because that's wrong. We don't assume things. I can't go and blast him because I thought he gave her a dirty look. So I'm not going to do that. I don't know what I read. Maybe the sun was in his eyes. I wasn't sure. So I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take a very professional approach. And I'm going to say, hello, sir. How are you? Wonderful job on the paint that you did here. It just looks fantastic. Can I ask you a question? And I said, you know, I, I have a website and I'm just just, you know, I'm, and I, I finished my, um, my undergrad in sociology, so I did kind of stretch it. But I said, I'm a sociologist, and I have a question for you. I am very curious about something that I witnessed. And this guy, I felt so bad because I could see that me just approaching him put him in a bit of a panic. And he's like, uh, and he took off his glasses, and I could feel like he was nervous. And I said, you know, I, I just, I just want to know. I saw, when I stepped out earlier, I actually saw a woman who was fully covered walk right past you. And you kind of did this head shake. And I'm just totally curious, just wondering if you had maybe a perception about her that you'd like to share with me. And, <laughs> and the poor guy, he looked at me, and I swear he said this. He said, Actually, I just thought she was really beautiful, man. <laughs> and she was. She was a very beautiful young sister. So he was like, she was actually very beautiful. And I was like, man. <laughs> so he was checking her out, apparently. And I completely misread that. I was thinking this is going to be a very interesting sociological experiment. No, it turned out to be a guy just telling me that he had the hots for one of my fellow hijabis. But it actually ended up being a very good conversation because we talked about a hijab. He started asking me questions about Islam, and I said, you know, I, I, I said that she was beautiful. I totally, you know, complimented her, and I said, you know, do you know the reason why we wear the headscarf? And he didn't really understand. I said, you know, it's for modesty reasons, and I, he was actually, um, his family was from Mexico, so we started talking about, you know, Mexican culture and how many of the, the conservative Catholic women from his own country cover, and so we were making connections, and we had a very nice conversation. We exchanged, I took his business card, you know, it was, it was a great, you know, thing that happened, but I know that because I went through this self-discovery process, and I know myself, when that voice, you know, I was struggling in the car, debating what to do, I know what finally pushed me to go and, and turn my car around. It's because I'm connected with who I am, and I own it. There's nothing wrong with being 
a person who is, you know, who, who takes reactions or who, who is reactionary and, 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 and does things the way that, you know, or, or um, how should I say it, who maybe, there's people, there's two camps, right? People who really reflect and think about their every decision and they're measured, and there's people who are more reactionary. And I think sometimes we blame and we assign, you know, value to one over the other, and we always, you know, make ourselves feel bad. And I've had conversations with sisters who, when I explain this whole science and we actually get into detail, they come up to me and they say, thank you. I have always felt like I was weird or different for being myself because people in my family would blame me for, oh, you're, why do you do that? That's so weird. Why you like this and they couldn't have you know they couldn't explain themselves but when you know the science and you understand it it suddenly does what it validates you and it makes you realize like this is just how I was created this is how these are my own natural inclinations and I own it and then once you own it and you're proud of it it really does help you to begin to navigate your spiritual path and so again I wish we had the time to go over uh, all of those things but um, just going back to to this maxim, why I wanted to start off or, or, or mention it is because, like I said, the starting point is where a lot of us get confused. The destination is clear. So I invite all of you to take the time to really find yourself, look into who you are, do the homework. And the temperaments, it's, there's many different ways to do that. You know, the process of self-discovery, there's plenty of different things you could do. But this is my personal favorite, so I encourage you all to look into it. And maybe during the Q&A, we can answer any questions that you have. So thank you for your time. I hope I didn't go over. Yeah. Thank you so much. Jazakumullahu khair. And may Allah reward all of you. Thank you.